Welcome to MasteryCast. This is Ancient World History MasteryCast 10. Our topic today is the empires in East Asia from approximately 600 to 1350 AD. We've talked about many empires in Europe and the Middle East. In this podcast, we're going to discuss some of the empires in East Asia, specifically in China, Southeast Asia, and Japan. We start our discussion with the Tang and Song dynasties in China. The Tang dynasty ruled in China for almost 300 years, and it expanded China. The Song dynasty following the Tang dynasty also ruled for approximately 300 years. This was a time of prosperity and new technology. When we study these dynasties, we must be focusing on inventions during these periods. Specifically, the use of porcelain, the mechanical clock, block printing, gunpowder, paper money, and the magnetic compass, to name a few. Tang Taizong was the emperor of the Tang dynasty from 627 to 649 AD. Wu Zhao, or Empress Wu, was the next famous leader. She's also known as the only woman to become emperor in China. The Tang dynasty expanded the empire, restored a strong bureaucracy and civil service after the fall of the Han dynasty. Also, a strong, intelligent governing class emerged in China during this period. During the Song Dynasty, the empire was restored after the fall of the Tang. Again, prosperity and inventions, and advances in farming. Trade expanded, and it's known as the Golden Age of Art. This is the period where Taoism and nature influenced Chinese painting. Also, during this period, we see the healing arts of acupuncture. We see classes change during this period. In general, women's social status declined, and a gentry class emerges. These were upper-class scholars, officials, and their families. We then had a middle class. The next class would be laborers, soldiers and servants, and the peasants. The next empire we discuss during this period are the Mongols. Now, we have already discussed the Mongols in our previous podcast for the Byzantines, Russians, and Turks, our podcast number nine. We talked about how the Mongols captured Kiev and Russia. Well, the Mongols will also be advancing in Asia as well. As we recall, the Mongols were nomadic people from the steppe region who conquered settled societies throughout much of Asia. They were nomads or pastoralists who herded domesticated animals and sought good pasture land. They lived in clans and traveled in seasonal patterns. Again, we talked about Genghis Khan. He united the Mongols and in 1206 took the title Genghis Khan or Universal Ruler of all the Mongol clans after defeating his rivals one by one. Over the next 21 years, Genghis Khan would lead the Mongols in conquering much of Asia. How was he able to do this? Well, he was known as a brilliant organizer, a gifted strategist who used tricks to beat his enemy. He used many new weapons which had been used by his enemies, and he also used cruelty as a weapon. 
After Genghis Khan's death, his son Ogadai becomes the Great Khan, and under his leadership the empire grows even further. By 1260, the Mongol Empire was divided into four Khanates. They were the Great Khan in Mongolia and China, the Khanate of Changtai in Central Asia, Ilkhanate in Persia, and the Khanate of the Golden Horde in Russia. The Mongol Empire controlled most of Asia during this period, and as a result, we saw a period of peace and prosperity, known as the Mongol Peace. From the mid-1200s to the mid-1300s, the Mongols, the Mongols imposed stability and law and order over much of Asia. Again, this is known as the Mongol Peace. The empire was so large that it was difficult to be threatened by any intruders. In 1279, Kublai Khan, the grandson of Genghis Khan, conquered the Song Dynasty in China. He established a Mongol ruled dynasty in China, referred to as the Wan Dynasty. The Mongols ruled China for approximately 150 years. They improved transportation, encouraged trade, and set up an efficient mail system. Now, Kublai Khan did not want the Mongols to become part of Chinese culture. Mongols were given the best jobs in government, and many Chinese resented Mongol rule. Kublai Khan and the Mongol peace also encouraged trade. Marco Polo was a Venetian traveler who, visiting China, became very interested in all that it offered. He established a working relationship with Kublai Khan and worked for him for 17 years. He returned to Europe and told the story about China in his writings. Mongol rule would weaken after Kublai Khan's death. In 1363, Chinese rebels would overthrow the Mongols. This will be the beginning of the next dynasty, the Ming Dynasty in China. At the same time in Japan, we see a different culture emerging. Japan was very isolated as a result of its geographic features. Thousands of islands and water. The Yamato clan had established a dual structure of government which became a characteristic of Japanese government. There was an emperor as well as a military leader. The Mongols had tried to capture Japan, however were unsuccessful in doing so because of the typhoon winds, also known as kamikaze winds. However, in 607 AD, Prince Shotoku sent missionaries to Tang China to learn the Chinese ways. They returned with many ideas specifically Buddhism, a writing system, and a civil service exam system. The important Chinese rulers begin with the Yamato emperors around 500 AD. They introduced the dual system of government as we discussed earlier. From 794 to 1185 AD, this is referred to as the Heian period. During this period of time we see a refined court society developing. The Kamakura Shogunate would emerge around 1200. This would be the beginning of what we would consider to be Japanese feudalism, the Japanese feudal system. The shoguns would rule Japan until the 1800s. The emperor would give power to the shogun, who then ruled as a military dictator. Each ruler had its army of samurai warriors. The samurai followed a code of conduct known as the Bushidu. 
Lastly, we're going to discuss the kingdoms of Southeast Asia and Korea during this period. The Khmer Empire, located in modern-day Cambodia. The Saliandra Dynasty, located in the island of Java. The Srivijaya Empire, located in Samutra, Borneo, and Java. The Lai Dynasty in Vietnam. And the Karayu Dynasty in present-day Korea. These dynasties and kingdoms were influenced heavily by China and by India. If you look at the architecture in Southeast Asia, you will see an influence from China as well as from India. Is the temple complex known as Angkor Wat. Here we can clearly see a different unique architecture emerge. Indian influences in Southeast Asia included Hinduism and the use of Sanskrit for writing. However, we also saw Chinese influences as well. Buddhism, Confucianism, a strong central government and civil service from the Chinese, their writing system, and porcelain pottery. This concludes our discussion of the empires of East Asia from 600 to 1350 AD. Remember, rewind and replay this podcast for more review. Subscribe and download this podcast to your own iPod or other video player. Also remember, you can obtain all of the MasteryCast podcasts by visiting iTunes. Look for the education section, specifically K-12. Remember, you can obtain Mastery in Minutes in many of your school subjects by visiting the maze. Visit www.masterymaze.com